With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. I'm Rod Hill, FM News. Quiet, please. You ready for the big show? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Lars. This is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Lars. And now. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. Almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. There's no such thing as zero risk for sexual offending. The people exiting by the proposed criteria will be no more at risk for sexual offending than the millions of other men currently living in Washington State. Absolutely unbelievable. That is the statement of a guy by the name of Dr. Carl Hansen, and he's viewed as one of the top experts about sexual criminals in America. He's actually from Canada, but they say he's one of the leading researchers. And what's he talking about? He's talking about if you thought the crime problem wasn't bad enough already, where you've got police who can't arrest because they've been told not to, prosecutors who refuse to prosecute, courts that refuse to convict, and, of course, prisons that governors keep turning loose criminals from instead of holding the criminals in prison if you thought it was bad already, wait for it to get worse, because what Dr. Hansen was testifying to in that soundbite, he's testifying about a bill in Washington state that would allow sexual criminals, and these are level three sex offenders, and I'll get into the definition of that, let them out early. But he said something else in there that is absolutely outrageous, considering that this guy is viewed as one of the top experts in America on sexual criminals, and he says, hey, by the time these level three sex offenders, the ones that are the worst of the worst of the worst, by the time they get out of custody, they are no more dangerous than every other man. In other words, all of us males, I happen to count myself in that minority group in America, we're about 49.5% of the population who is male. You know, I haven't changed gender or any of that nonsense. But he's saying every one of those males out there is simply a rapist waiting to happen.
and that you're just as dangerous as a released level three sex offender. Think on that for just a moment. But first, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on a Thursday. We call this Conspiracy Theory Thursday, although I don't try to time what we talk about and when we talk about it based on whether or not it's Conspiracy Theory Thursday or not. But imagine this. You've got prison systems that are listening to so-called experts in psychology and psychiatry who are trying to say that, Every man out there in America is just a rape or a sex crime waiting to happen. That is absolutely outrageous. If you want to join the best conversation in talk journalism, it's right here at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. If you happen to disagree with me, that's okay. We call those naysayers. And naysayers on this program for more than a quarter century have always gone to the head of the list at 866-439-5277. And then I want to tell you about our poll on X. The poll on X, formerly Twitter, and this one's about as crazy as it comes. Although, I'm going to tell you something, uh, they are coming after you. If you're a conservative American, they are coming after you. Should citizens who have bought Bibles, rifles, or say a slingshot at a sporting goods store, should you end up on a terrorist watch list? And of course, I'm going to say no to that, but guess what? Jim Jordan, member of Congress, uh, has come out with information about the fact that federal authorities, meaning the federal DOJ, the FBI, other agencies, went out and told financial institutions, your banks, they said, if people are out there buying Bibles, if they are buying rifles, if they are buying things at Dick's Sporting Goods or Cabela's or Bass Pro Shop, then we want to tag them and flag them because they are potential risks to the United States. I think this is absolutely insane. And if you say, well, where'd you get that? Well, Representative Jim Jordan, member of Congress, and he's part of the House Judiciary Committee. He says these Americans were tagged as possible violent extremists with zero due process or even notification that they were being categorized this way. And, of course, this goes across property rights, free speech rights, consent to their government activities, and even religious exercise because one of the things that the federal government wanted to track have these people bought Bibles? Well, I'm guessing that puts Tina and me on the list because we bought more than a few in the last few years. We tend to give them away to our friends and family members, as well as keeping a number of copies for ourselves. So should citizens who buy Bibles, rifles, pistols, or sporting goods, even a slingshot at a sporting goods store, should you end up on a terrorist watch list? I'm sure we're going to get a few callers on that. I'd love to hear the naysayers who think that the federal government which was asking for surveillance of American messages on private payment apps, apps like Zelle uh, or Venmo, that if you did any of those kinds of exchanges of money, you may have ended up on the government's radar. And if you say, not as far as I can tell, that may be part of the point. The fact that the government didn't even have to notify you, you have been placed on a terrorist watch list because you bought that Bible and that slingshot over at Cabela's or Bass Pro Shops. This is absolutely out of control, and it is certainly not the kind of government that American, real American citizens consent to be governed by. You can find the poll on X at Lars Larson Show, and you can also find it on my website at LarsLarson.com. But I want to get back to Dr. Carl Hansen, and I'm going to ask Joel, my producer, to play that soundbite again in a moment. But I want you to listen for two things. Number one, 
He's talking about level three sex offenders. In this case, they are described in the law as these offenders pose a potential high risk to the community and are a threat to reoffend if provided that opportunity. You might even want to know, well, Lars, what's a level one or level two? Level one is defined as low risk of repeating the offense. Level two is moderate risk of repeating the offense. And level three, high risk of repeat offenses and a threat to public safety. This guy is saying if the state legislature in Washington state changes the law and liberalizes the grounds under which a convicted level three sex offender can walk out of custody, why they'll be no more dangerous than all those other men. And what he's doing is he's condemning every man in society by saying you're just as dangerous as the most dangerous of the dangerous of sex offenders. If you think I'm wrong, listen to his words and tell me where. There's no such thing as zero risk for sexual offending. The people exiting by the proposed criteria will be no more at risk for sexual offending than the millions of other men currently living in Washington state. It's interesting, too, to me, with all this talk of equity lately, he doesn't mention women, as though women never commit sexual offenses. And in fact, in the state of Washington, where Dr. Hansen is testifying, and where they're considering making more liberal guidelines to let level three sex offenders out of custody, let me point out that one of the most notorious rapists is a woman by the name of Mary Kay Letourneau. A child, a teacher who in her mid thirties raped a 13 year old boy. Now you might point out, well, later on they got married and they had kids and all that stuff. Doesn't matter. She was a 35 year old adult woman who raped a child. So if you say, Dr. Hansen, that the only people we have to worry about is all those men, you know, because they're just a walking rape case waiting to happen. Well, how about all the women as well? Except that I think he's wrong. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. I don't have his credentials. But if you're telling me level three sex offenders are just as likely to do their crime again as every other man in society, Dr. Hansen, I think you're crazy. Back in just a moment. Glad to get your phone calls and your emails at 866-HEY-LARS. Send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com.
does the work so you don't have to. Bringing the political heat. He's Lars Larson. That makes a lot of sense. A lot of nonsense. Right. Your body well right. You know he got a right to say. This is the Northwest Nonsense. How much longer do we have to sit for this nonsense? That great moment every day where Lars brings you the cold hard facts without any liberal wokeness from the daily dead fish wrapper or mainstream media bias. It should never really surprise us when fools in government follow their very own rules right over the edge of a cliff. Take Multnomah County for example. It offers people on the street 2,500 shelter beds every single night of the year. When the temperature drops into the 20s, almost 1,300 emergency shelter beds are open as well. Now, my friends at Willamette Week point out that Tuesday night, all those beds were filled for the first time in history. It was frigid cold outside. But you know how mindless bureaucrats love their own rules so much? The regulations say that emergency shelters only open when the mercury drops to 25 degrees or up to 32 degrees if it's coupled with an inch of rain or snow. As the sun went down last night, the mercury rose to a balmy 34 degrees in Multnomah County, two degrees too much, so the emergency shelters shut down last night. And it's not like Multnomah County is short of cash. They have more than a quarter of a billion dollars of your money to blow on this kind of stuff. I'm pretty sure that somebody at Multnomah County's Joint Office of Homeless Services shouted out, hey, it's above the melting point of water. Break out the Bermuda shorts. It's so warm. We all know a massive homeless industrial complex of NGOs, non-governmental organizations, has grown up and they are feeding on all that money that the counties and the cities have put out there. It's happening in King County. It's happening in Multnomah County. And you need to save the money to make sure that all those folks get paid, even if you have to throw the bums back out on those icy streets. Glad to have you with me on a Thursday. If you want to join the conversation, it's 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. As always, naysayers go to the head of the line. You can send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And, of course, you can vote in our Twitter poll inspired by one of the artifacts of the Biden administration. Should citizens who have bought or are buying Bibles, rifles, or sporting goods end up on the terror watch list? The information comes from Congressman Jim Jordan, who's part of the House Judiciary Committee. He's actually the chair of it. And he says the federal government flagged as potential criminals any transactions that involve the terms MAGA or Trump. Those Americans are tagged as possible violent extremists if they bought, bought, bought firearms or bought Bibles or other sporting goods. They specifically looked at uh, stops like Bass Pro Shop and outlets like that. And you end up on a list and you're not even notified that you're on the terror watch list. You're just added to it and you have new, no due process rights to get off that list either. Uh, our question of the day, and this is a good one. Uh, John Stone wrote in and said, in February of last year, the Oregon DOJ announced that it opened an investigation into Brown Hope, which was a charity group funded with a lot of government money. And there were questions about how that money was being spent. He says now, since then, in the last almost a year, total silence, it might be helpful to voters to know the status of that investigation. We're going to start checking into that one, but you're right. A year to investigate possible financial crimes at a nonprofit funded with government money where every single dime ought to be tracked very closely? Doesn't make sense to me either. And now today's Daily Grill. Insane. Are you completely insane? 
Ridiculous. They get more and more ridiculous. Flat out dumb. You're even dumber than I thought. Who deserves today's Lars Grill of the Day? Maybe they're just really, really stupid. Find out right now. I'm going to give today's Daily Grill to sex offender expert Dr. Carl Hansen for his testimony to the Washington legislature in which he identified that every single man in the state of Washington is just as much a threat of sexual offenses like rape and child molest as every level three sex offender who's been released from custody. Shame on you, Dr. Hansen. That's absolutely out of line. And by the way, if Dr. Hansen wants to come on this program and explain his position, I'd be glad to do it. I'd be sure to ask him, though, why he excluded women from that definition, since I've already cited one of the examples of a woman who was a very notorious rapist in Washington State. Today's best email, but you can always send more to talk at LarsLarson.com. David LaFranchise writes, and Lars, just to let you know about the transit agency TriMet's ineptitude. So the max lines are down. Okay, that's fine. They have shuttle buses. The, but the buses are not running on the max schedule. Few and far between. And on TriMet's transit tracker, that's actually pretty cool, the shuttle buses don't show up on it. I'm sure it's an easy software fix. The buses all have GPS units on them. So you don't know when or if one is coming and freezing temperatures. There's no excuse for that. You should interview a TriMet person and ask why. David, it's a great suggestion. Unfortunately, every time we call TriMet and say, would you mind asking or answering some serious questions? Uh, they don't call us back. But we keep on trying anyway. It's a Thursday. It's Conspiracy Theory Thursday. And by the way, our ex-poll today, the one about whether or not you should be on the terror watch list for buying Bibles or guns at a sporting goods store, is brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at ultimatetruckservice.com. And as promised, we always put naysayers first. Hey, Chuck, welcome to the program on a Thursday. Thanks for calling. What do you and I disagree about that makes you a naysayer? Well, uh... Bibles being sold at sporting goods store for starters. I've never seen that. You never? No, I didn't say they were sold at sporting goods stores. What the federal oh. government tracked, according to Congressman Jordan, was purchases of Bibles and purchases from sporting goods stores, including firearms, but virtually anything sold at places like Bass Pro Shop were all being tracked. But I didn't say anything about Bibles being sold at Bass Pro Shop, although they're such an all-American company, it wouldn't surprise me if they did. Well, you did say something about, I don't know, Bass Pro Shop, but you did say something about Bibles being sold. I did. I said if you sold. bought a Bible, the government the, under Joe Biden has wanted to track purchases by people buying Bibles because apparently they think that's a sign that you may be a violent extremist because, you know, you, you bought a copy of the most published book in world history. Uh, but I never said they were sold at sporting goods stores. Oh, okay. Was that your only objection? Uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to go That's back pretty to, thin. to the tape. What's well, that? you go ahead and listen to the tape, but was that your only naysayer? Boy, that's kind of a weak performance, I'd say. Well, I'd say that uh, maybe you and Tina should go actually read your Bible. Actually, we do every night, every single... Uh, there, are, there have been... Oh, and then he hung up. Uh, virtually every night, and I'll admit that during the bad weather, we had some other things we had to take care of, but... Almost every night of the year, we spend about a half an hour to an hour reading the book. So, Bob, maybe you should re read yours as well. To your calls, let's go to uh, Matt Medford. Hey, Matt, it's close to the break. Let's get right to it. Yes, Lars, I'm with you totally. These level three sex offenders, I have no respect. They should be throw, throw the book at them because they harm.
farm children, and I don't know if you know if this guy's a level three, he's got a real high chance of of, re, of being a repeat. Well, I think so. That's what makes you a level three. Is the definition of level yep. three is you a know, high likelihood. You know, but do you Warren, think he, that he, every he other man? Go ahead. He, he was, he, yeah, he, he was, he, he's a level, probably a level one sex offender. I haven't heard that he repeated, but he, he spent eight years in prison. He, and who? I don't he, know who you're talking about, Matt. You haven't said the name of the person who spent time in prison. Who was that? Bernie Ward. Bernie Ward. He, Bernie he was Ward. a level one. He was, he's a, he was a talk show host on KGO who was, I yeah, think, he was. I don't think. And he was, he was, I, I don't remember if he was convicted or just, uh, or what, yes. well, I'll tell you what, it's been a long time, so Matt, you're bringing up kind of ancient history, but, and he wasn't in, in Washington or Oregon, he was down in California, but I appreciate the call anyway. You're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. The Lars Larson Show. Small town politics with big town opinions. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show on a Conspiracy Theory Thursday. If I told you that one of the aspects of totalitarian dictatorships is these are the kind of places or governments where people are told, turn in your friends and family and neighbors and we will give you a reward. And you say, yeah, that sounds like Cuba, sounds like Venezuela, sounds like China, sounds like a bunch of nasty countries. Would you believe it that in the state of Washington, there is now a bill before the legislature, which is meeting right now, has been meeting for about the last 10 days, Senate Bill 5427. If you lose track of that, I'll be glad to send it to you. Senate Bill 5427, not only encourages neighbors, co-workers, friends, family members, and others in the community to report so-called hate crimes or bias incidents. The bill, if passed by the lunatic left in the Washington legislature in Olympia, is offering people a reward of up to, and this will get a lot of people going, $2,000 to turn in your friends, family, co-workers, neighbors, and all the rest for a so-called hate crime or a bias incident. Now, that's how lunatic things have become, that the Democrats say, we want to have people turning in each other. We'll have kids turning in their parents. We'll have co-workers turning in their, maybe the co-workers they don't like. The bill would create a hotline to the state attorney general's office, currently run by that knucklehead, uh, Bob Ferguson, who wants to be governor. The dollar reward would create an incentive to report incidents, get this, even when there is no evidence that a crime has occurred. In other words, if you don't like somebody, you don't like a family member, you don't like uh, somebody you work with, you don't like uh, you know, one of your neighbors, so you call the hotline and you say, this person committed a hate crime or a bias incident where there was no crime. Because you understand, I don't like the very idea of hate crimes, meaning I don't think there should be such a thing. If you assault somebody, it's an assault. If you assaulted them because they looked weak and you thought that you could take their purse or their wallet, or if you assaulted them because you don't like their skin color, their religion, their race, their national origin, their accent, or whatever it is you don't like about them, it should be the same crime. But having said that, they created a category of hate crimes. But for most, I think for all of them, 
You have to have actually committed a crime. You have to assault somebody. You have to intimidate somebody. You have to commit a rape or a murder that is driven by hatred for somebody's race, religion, national origin, etc. In this case, you might get a cash reward of up to $2,000 if you turn somebody in because of things they did that, while they might be rude, would be just ordinary, plain vanilla, constitutionally protected free speech. The bill would create the possibility that informants would simply report people they don't like to get them in trouble with the attorney general. I'm relying on some of the reporting of our friend Lee Finna, the Washington Policy Center, and full and lavish credit to her. But under the bill, the term bias incident can include, and it's written right in the law, expression. So, imagine this. You call the hotline. You don't like your neighbor. You don't like the color of his house. He doesn't mow his lawn. Whatever, plays music too loud at night. Whatever it is. You say, why, I saw my neighbor. He walked out on his front porch, and he shouted a racial epithet at a person of color. Now, that would get the attorney general's office going guaranteed. Is that a crime? No, it's not a crime. Is it rude? Is it crude? Is it uncalled for? Yeah, all of those things. Is it a criminal act? No. Is it protected free speech? Whether you like it or not, talk to the attorneys, because our Constitution has a First Amendment in it that protects freedom of expression, including freedom of the press and freedom to practice your own religion. Let's say you don't like somebody's religion and you want to say so. You're allowed to say so. You might say it's rude, it's crude, and unless that person could tell a jury that a reasonable person would feel physically threatened to where you felt physically threatened that this person was going to hurt you. If all it is is words, then whether you like it or not, it is protected free speech. But this includes expression. So somebody at work, you know, slips out with some kind of bias level word. I'm not going to use them on the air. I don't, I don't want to earn that kind of trouble. But the fact is, this is attacking free speech. And they want to put a cash reward behind it as well. The bill provides no process for the accused person to clear his or her names. And the bill provides a financial incentive for people to judge each other, creating a suspicious, hostile environment in classrooms, workplaces, and in the community. Senate Bill 5427. For example, if I say, and I've said this you know, recently on the show, if I said, I don't want illegal aliens coming into this country. Now, there are plenty of people out there, naysayers, who would say, Lars, that's a, that's a hateful thing to say. I, say. I don't hate the people. I'm saying they're breaking the law. Don't let them break the law and enter my country. And when they come here and commit other crimes, I especially don't like it. And I think most Americans feel the same way, which is why Joe Biden's little border experiment with 10 million illegals coming into the country in the last three years has been such a disaster, not just for the country, but in Joe Biden's terms, for Joe Biden as a political candidate running for re-election, he's finding that Americans don't like what they've seen happen. But if you call somebody an illegal alien, is that a biased crime? If you say that somebody who believes in uh, in uh, abortion, believes in murdering babies, you say, well, that's kind of a hateful thing to say. I don't care if it's hateful. I think it's accurate. But should you be able to call the attorney general's office and should the attorney general's office of the state of Washington, in this case, under Senate Bill 5427, just so everybody knows, I'm not just talking about theory. This is a bill before the Washington legislature. Now, do I think the Democrats are crazy enough to pass it? 
I think they are crazy enough to pass it. But can you imagine living in a society where all you have to do to seriously gum somebody's life up, maybe for a long time, ruin their reputation and all that, is simply pick up the phone, call the attorney general, get a cash reward, and say, that person said hateful things. And how do you prove a negative? How do you prove you never said those things? I don't know how you do that. Let's go to Bob. Bob, thanks for listening on the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind today? Well, Lars, I wanted to talk to you about what they're doing about registering everybody. What do you mean by registering everybody? I, I don't know what you're referring well, to. Buy guns or whatever. That they law hasn't taken effect, Bob. You are aware of that, right? It has not taken effect yet? No, it was put on hold by a judge more than a year ago. And the judge in Harney County made his injunction permanent just recently. And he said measure, ballot measure 114 passed just barely by the voters is unconstitutional. That's not what I'm this. talking about. Okay, then That's what are you talking what I'm about? I'm talking about, Lars. I know that. I'm okay. talking about the issue you were talking about earlier. Oh, about ending up on the terrorist watch list. Yeah. Yeah. What about that? I am sick and tired of these idiots over there in Washington, D.C., these Dumbo crats running around and doing nothing but making lawyers rich. <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say. This is that's, that's what they're doing. And, and they're basically flagging free speech. I mean, when Representative Jim Jordan says the federal government, the Department of Justice, decided to tell financial institutions, meaning your bank, if your customer buys things that are associated with the term MAGA or Trump, if they buy Bibles, if they buy firearms or other sporting goods, maybe rifles or pistols, if they shop at Bass Pro Shop, that we want the financial institutions to flag those citizens. You know, those banks better hope that we don't find out that they were part of cooperating with that, because if any bank cooperated with that, I would expect everybody to pull their money out of that bank just as fast as they possibly can. It's Conspiracy Theory Thursday. Your phone calls and emails are welcome at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Naysayers go to the head of the line. Check out our Instagram feed and social media. You're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. You know, I think it's next. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com.
loving the news so you don't have to. Back to the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. I want to go straight away to calls, but I've got to mention something. I get a lot of emails, about 1,100 a day. But this one just really tugged at my heart. And, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fulfill this lady's wish. I got a note from a nice lady named Rachel Warner. And she said, I'm the house manager in an assisted living home. And she said, one of my wonderful full-of-life residents has asked me to contact you. This lady has her 103rd birthday coming up on February the 6th. But I'm going to mention it now so that anybody who's planning a party, make sure you plan a good one for Audrey Roseberry. She says, Audrey listens to the show every single day. God bless you for that. Thank you, Audrey. I appreciate it. And I'll be happy uh, to wish you a 103rd birthday on February 6th. But I just, uh, I just, and I'm going to send her a note as well. I just think that's fantastic. So uh, the offer is open for anybody 100, 100 plus. I'll be glad to wish you a happy birthday if you'd like. If you say it's not fair for you to do that for Audrey Roseberry and not for everybody else. Okay. All the other 100, 101, 102, and 103-year-olds out there, I'll be glad to wish you a happy birthday on your birthday. Uh, just send me an email, talk at LarsLarson.com. Let's go to Susan in Seattle, listening on the Radio Northwest Network and Talk Radio 570 KVI. Hey, Susan, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Hi, Lars. Um, it is becoming increasingly clear that it's very important for when the bills are named, especially these that are particularly egregious, like the one you just mentioned, 5427, to name the key sponsors on that bill. And it just takes a second, like Valdez is the one on this one, and Manca Dingra. And we know that Manca Dingra has a slogan behind her name, and we see murders that she was directly um, we feel involved with because of her activity on no car chases, uh, no background checks, all these things. So we call a lot of these murders, as you probably know, um, we think that they're the Nankadango Roger Goodman murders, right? Because we can yep. relate. So because you, you can the tie the action of the, the law against police chases with the death of people and say, there's the lawmaker that made those murders or those killings happen, right? And believe me, other legislators think twice before they sign on. Okay, so I'll tell you what, I'll do all now. of them, Susan. And I agree with you. When it comes time for re-election, when it comes time for the legislature, Valdez, Billig, Cleveland, Dingra, Frame, Hasigua, Hunt, Kaiser, Cooter, Leas, that's Marco Leas, Lovelet, oh Lovick, Saldana, Solomon, Stanford, and Wilson. They are all yep. sponsors on Senate Bill 5427. And by the way, Susan makes a great point. I just felt, Susan, if I give you the bill number a couple of times, then anybody who wants to know chief sp I look chief sponsors up all the time. But those are the names. Put them in your head. And uh, But I, I want to know what you think about people who would even conceive of the idea of saying, turn in your friends and neighbors and coworkers, turn them in for bias, bias incidents that are not even criminal acts. And, Susan, you know, I, I don't stand on my front porch and yell racial epithets at people. But if there are people who do that, you know, whether we like it or not, unless that person causes the, the victim of that to be intimidated, to fear for their life or safety, there's no crime there. It's, it's, it's free speech, it's ugly speech, but it's free speech. And yet, here's the Attorney General and the Democrat friends of Bob Ferguson saying, call the AG's office and turn in your friends and neighbors and family members for saying these things, and then, what happens to the person who's accused? You can't prove a negative. If somebody came to you, Susan, and said, prove that you never said this, how would you do it? You, you could. You know, Mankadingra is running for AG. 
people didn't think you could get worse than Ferguson. Um, you wouldn't have to mention all the names, but but there are three or four names that are show- these people hate this country, and they they are haters. Just meeting them, and you can tell, and their goals are deep and wide. These are like the Jayapals that we need to stop now. So you don't have to go through like all of the all of them. I would always say the first name was the guy that got suckered into doing it, and he's usually the one that will pull out the next part of the next deal, Valdez. But when you see Dingra, Cutterer, um, just mention three people that you can tell. All we need to get is get rid of those guys. You and make an we, excellent we, point. And, Susan, yeah. think how this fits with the, the X poll that we did today. The idea that the Biden administration was telling, uh, the, and the FBI and the DOJ were saying, to banks, your, the banks you bank with, if you find that Susan bought a Bible recently, and maybe she bought a rifle recently, or she spent some money at Bass Pro Shops, for whatever reason, uh, we're going to put her on a list. So this is putting people on lists. 5427 does the same thing, saying, have you heard somebody say something that you think is hateful or negative, even if it's not a criminal act? Turn them into the AG. We'll pay you some cash, and we'll put their name on a list. And, and they may not even know they're on the list, and they have no due process right to get off the list. That's the America the Democrats envision for us. Well, I think it went by saying what, by doing what I'm talking about doing, and a lot of people say, well, why don't they do that? And I said, you know what? Just call and tell them. We put them on a list, and we turn the tables on them. Because when, <clears throat> when you folks come on and you mention what's happened, nay, because it is never a they, we need to put them on that same list. And yep. that list is the list of how we're going to vote. We don't know. And if we're driving down the street, we can't look up a bill number. We can't remember it. That's a good so point. So it's, it's, it's saying the words um, that what can, this can I does. Can I make one more suggestion, Susan? And that's this. Sure. Bob Ferguson wants to be governor. As you point out, I agree with you. He'd be a terrible governor. He'd be worse than Inslee. Imagine if at the first campaign event he goes to, somebody, maybe even a Democrat, says, Hey, Bob, do you agree with Senate Bill 5427 to pay cash rewards to people for turning uh, their friends and neighbors in for free speech? And see what he says. And don't let him weasel out because he's a lawyer. He'll try to weasel out. Get a solid answer. Do you back cash rewards for putting people on lists because of the free speech they engage in? Demand that answer. Bob Ferguson will never be governor. You got the bars. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been and telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Quiet, please. Ladies and gentlemen, you ready for the big show? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Live. This 
is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Lars. And now. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm glad to take your phone calls and emails. You know, oftentimes we talk to Joe Kent, who has run for Congress before. He's running for Congress again. And we talk to him about the issues of the day. Today, I want to do something just a little bit different, because Joe, who is, of course, I'll remind you, retired Special Forces Warrant Officer and the Gold Star husband of fallen senior Navy Chief Shannon Kent, who was murdered by ISIS, and he is now running for Congress in Washington's 3rd Congressional District to replace the the terrible Democrat Marie Glusenkamp-Perez, I think even fraudulent Marie Glusenkamp-Perez in my view. But he's uh, written a book, and I think that's a great tribute uh, to his wife, his late wife, uh, called Send Me, The True Story of a Mother at War. Joe, welcome back. Lars, thanks so much for having me on. We just passed the five-year anniversary of her passing, didn't we? We did, yeah, the, the 16th. It's, uh, it's been five years, so yeah, it's a hard day for my family and I, but I was excited to finally get the book out there so we can tell her story. What did you want to do with this book? What do you want to get across to people about your late wife? You know, it's it's twofold. I wrote it to tell the story uh, of Shannon and her service and her sacrifice and how much she loved this country, uh, because I, I think it's a story that really most people aren't aware of uh, from Shannon's perspective, but then also from all the women that have gone overseas and fought. We were at war for, you know, over 20 years in the war on terror and in my generation's wars, and, and a lot of women served, but I don't, I don't think they've gotten the credit that they uh, they deserve. So, so through telling Shannon's story, I can uh, tell the story of all those who actually went forward and, and fought for our country. And she was she was serving in a very technological, I guess for lack of a better term, technological uh, kind of uh, assignment, wasn't she? Yeah, she's a very talented individual. She had a knack for learning languages as a kid. She taught herself French and Spanish. After 9-11, both her parents were, both her uh, uncle and her father were 9-11 first responders. And after after that, she volunteered to go serve in the military. She knew that she could learn Arabic. She told the recruiters that. And so she became an Arabic linguist and then trained to intercept enemy signals and then also was qualified to do human source operations. And ultimately, that's what, what she was killed doing uh, in Syria with the Special Operations Task Force. And in fact, she, your book talks about the fact that she was uh, working in a unit that is so secretive, its, its name can't even be printed or mentioned. Is that the case? That's true. That's that's actually uh, how we ended up meeting and dating and eventually getting married. Uh, Shannon and I briefly met uh, in Baghdad in 2007. Uh, didn't see each other again for. Yeah, right. She was actually, you know, what's what's old is new again. She was briefing me on some targets uh, of Iranian-backed terrorists that were killing Americans in Baghdad at the time. Um, I saw her briefly and talked to her for maybe about 20 minutes, and then didn't see her again for another seven years when both of us had been picked up for a, a pretty secretive unit um, that's combined special operations and intelligence and that's how we ended up uh meeting working together and then dating and then getting married yeah because i mean it's funny because an awful lot of americans through movies and books and and just reading about uh, about what our military does you know they learn the names of things like delta 
uh, and and uh, and various teams and all. But this this one was so secretive, you you couldn't even say what the name of it was because that was considered classified. That's and and her job was to hunt down terrorists, the same kind of terrorists that eventually murdered her. That's correct. Yeah, she she had mastered the art of what we call in the military find, fix, and and finish. And so hunting humans was very much. Her profession, it was a big part of my profession as well. Uh, she was very proficient at it, very good at it. Uh, she was a quiet professional, served in the shadows, and then ultimately was there for the last little little bit of combat against ISIS. Um, and that's ultimately when she, she lost her, her and three other Americans lost their lives to an ISIS suicide bomber. The book is called Send Me, The True Story of Mother at War. Its author is Joe Kent, uh, Shannon Kent's uh, uh, husband, uh, widow, uh, widower. And uh, he's running for the 3rd Congressional District right now. And her training was not in going out in the field, uh, you know, the way she was at the very end. She was a cryptologic technician. Would you mind explaining what that is? Yeah, so a cryptologic technician means you're, you're trained to intercept enemy signals, cell phones, Wi-Fi, radios, all that type of stuff. And then some other cryptological technicians get additional training in languages and that's where shannon kind of found her way into the intelligence community she was really proficient at uh, speaking arabic um but in particular the different dialects so she mastered the iraqi dialect down to down to the the point where she could fool a lot of native-born iraqis um that she was just a, a girl who grew up in new york city in new york state um so that was her specialty that's how she kind of found her way into special operations because as she was coming up women weren't really allowed to serve on the front lines technically but because she was so proficient at speaking to iraqis building relationships gaining their confidence she found herself on the front lines because otherwise if you're listening to this you know it's called signals intelligence you're listening to cell phones or you're reading emails or texts or things like that Unless you know the language right down to where, like an American knows, Amer you know, knows American English, where you understand when somebody says, you know, a certain set of words that might, out of a dictionary, say one thing, but they say something entirely different if you understand how the dialect works. She had to know those languages at that level. She did. Actually, there's a scene where her and I meet in the book that I that I wrote, and, and she actually understood a lot of the Iraqi slang uh, that one of our targets was using, one of the bad guys that was killing Americans that he was using, that everybody else had completely missed. We've been trying to capture this guy. Uh, we eventually ended up getting him because of the information that Shannon provided, and that was because she actually understood the Iraqi slang because this terrorist leader had multiple girlfriends, and she understood that he was referring to his mistresses as opposed to um, the, the word that he was using. Every other linguist missed that, but because Shannon just had an, an ear and an understanding of the culture, she knew exactly which house this guy was going to be at and when because of the slang that he was using. So it's uh, she was just really good at her job, just a natural uh, at, at that type of work, and knew that it was a unique role that she could fill to serve our country. How did, uh, can I, if this isn't too personal, Joe, because you, you and I have known each other for a couple of years, but how do you make a relationship prosper between husband and wife when, when you're both working in such tough occupations and dangerous occupations and when you're, you're both deployed much of the time? Yeah, that, that's definitely, uh, it, it was challenging, but for me, it was actually even more challenging to have a relationship with somebody who wasn't inside that world because there's so much of what we do is classified or it's hard to explain to other people, especially when you have to be gone so much. To have somebody that was already immersed in that world, and that's kind of 
when Shannon and I met each other, we had both been in the military. We had been in special operations for a while, and we just immediately clicked. We kind of got each other. Uh, we definitely had our challenges that I, I do my best to explain in the book, especially as we had a family. That's when things got really challenging, uh, having children and, and me having to deploy more than her and trying to balance all that. But I think, really, we both just understood that world, and we could be very honest with each other, where if, if you're in a relationship with someone who doesn't have a clearance, who's never lived in that type of environment before, everything they say to you is completely completely foreign. There's a massive communication barrier right there, but it really helped that we were immersed in the same culture. His book about his late wife, who was the or is the senior Navy chief, Shannon Kent, who was murdered by ISIS. Uh, the author is Joe Kent. The book is called Send Me, the true story of a mother at war. Joe, I really appreciate the fact that you've written this book. It's quite a tribute to your late wife, and thank you for the time today. Thank you so much for having me, Lars. I really appreciate it. Glad to have you on. That is Joe Kent, who is also running a less important thing, running for the 3rd Congressional District in Washington State. Back in a moment, I'll get to your phone calls and emails. And you're not going to believe what some of the Democrats are saying. They're saying we ought to tear down the Statue of Liberty because if we guard our borders, it's equivalent to that. I'll, I'll let you hear the actual words of the Democrat in this As we when it comes with me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Brought to you by American Humane. Do you realize you could literally have Lars with you all day, every day? Podcasts at Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, and live right now. What a time to be alive. Here's Lars. To my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, let's be honest with immigrants who deserve better than what you're offering them. Don't welcome immigrants if you plan to reject them. If you keep pushing your bigoted HR2 bill, then also pass this bill. I've taken the liberty of drafting it for you. It removes... The Statue of Liberty, our largest symbol that tells people to come here. This is who you are, removing the fabric of America. So I want to know which Republican who supports and voted for H.R. 2 will introduce this bill. 
That is the kind of insanity that we're up against, folks. That is Gen Z, the very first Gen Z member of Congress, freshman Democrat Representative Max Frost. And no, I guessed at first he must be from New York or California or maybe Illinois. Now he's actually from the state of Florida. So I have a feeling he probably doesn't get together with most of the rest of the members of Congress from Florida. But the guy is literally saying that if we decide that we're a nation of laws, that we have borders, that we enforce our borders, as we did, for four full years under Donald J. Trump, that if we've decided to give up those borders and people have just been pouring in illegally, that if you pass a bill, H.R. 2 is the Republican response saying, why don't we pass this bill? We'll have some immigration reform, but what we have to do first is stop this massive inflow, this invasion of America by illegal aliens, that this Max Frost character, member of Congress and Gen Z freshman from Florida, is saying, then tear down the Statue of Liberty. That's the kind of insane thinking that's going on on the left side of the aisle. Glad to be with you and glad always to take your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. If you're a naysayer, I'll put you first. And if you want to vote in our Twitter poll or X poll, you can find the X poll at Lars Larson Show on X. You can also find it on my website. Believe it or not, member of Congress Jim Jordan has pointed out that the federal government is flagging as potential criminals people who buy Bibles, shop at sporting goods stores like Bass Pro Shops, and the federal government has actually reached out to banks and said to the banks, we want you to identify any of your customers who involve themselves in financial transactions with terms like MAGA or Trump or buy Bibles or buy firearms. So should citizens who buy Bibles, rifles, or sporting goods end up on the terror watch list? I'd say no to that. Might find a naysayer who says yes to it. You'll find the question at Lars Larson Show and at LarsLarson.com. Let's go to uh, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. What's on your mind on this Conspiracy Theory Thursday? Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. So my what? question is, um, like you talked on Tuesday with the... Uh, like, social media cannot be sued, correct? Well, th yeah, to a large extent, social media can't be sued uh, because of Section 230 of the, of the Communications Law. And what it was intended to do, it was a, a deal, if you want to think of it this way. Uh, what I do here in my talk show is considered publishing, even though we, we don't involve ourselves with paper or dead trees. But newspapers publish, books are published, magazines are published. But we control what's in the show. I control what's in the show, who comes on, what they say, all the rest of that. Uh, and as a publisher, if I were to defame somebody or let you defame somebody on my show, I could be sued for what you say. But if you get on social media, on, uh, on X or uh, Meta or Facebook, if you get on any of that social media and you say something that's defamatory or damaging to somebody, Section 230 says, because those social media have promised to be not publishers, but platforms. A platform is supposed to be a place where essentially anything and everything gets said. It involves, in the case of X and, and Meta, billions and billions of postings every single week. Uh, that if you, they, they made the argument that if you, if they could get sued, for anything that's defamatory or damaging, they don't have a practical way. I think that's a lie, but they don't have a practical way of keeping damaging and def defamatory things off their sites. So to make social media work, the government agreed to give them this protection in Section 230 and say, 
essentially you can't be sued, uh, civil suits against those ent entities because of something that's, you know, damaging or defamatory that's put on them. And uh, and you're right. They essentially can't be sued. There might be some creative lawsuits, but in general, they're protected from it. And as a result, they're allowed to operate because, Jeff, the minute they lose that protection, and I think they should lose that protection because of the way they behaved, their insurance carriers and every company like that has insurance are going to come to them and say, you are now exposed to potentially billions of dollars of lawsuits. If you want to continue your insurance, here's what the premiums are going to be. And it would put them out of business in a heartbeat. Yeah, well, but I'm constantly getting shut down, you know. Oh, yeah, they'll, sh they'll shut down. But that's because of their politics. See, Facebook, or now called Meta, they will pick and choose. They'll shut down conservatives like you. They've shut down me before. Twitter, under old management, shut down me at least once for saying the term snowflake. And it was a reference to a liberal lady uh, who was behaving like a snowflake. And I said so, and I got banned from then Twitter. And, and you say they, they'll shut you down. But that's because of their political uh, beliefs, I believe. Uh, it's not because they're worried about getting sued. And Meta, most recently has been running ads for coyotes, the people who sneak people into the United States for thousands of dollars. They'll run their ads. And so these are outfits like Meta who say, oh, we try to safeguard against child pornography and drug dealing and all kinds of other nefarious activities, and then claim that somehow they have no way to be able to keep things like coyote ads off Meta, which makes no sense, uh, unless you think it makes sense. So, so in other words, like there's really nothing I can do. Like I can't file a lawsuit. I mean, I mean, nope. I live in Vancouver, Washington. I can't. Like, obviously, the congresswoman here in, in this area is, is a joke. So, like, there's nothing I can do. Correct? No, there's not. No, because if they behaved like a platform, you know, uh, Jeff, I think the easiest way to imagine what a platform would be in physical terms, if you lived in a small town. And the town said, in our town square, we're going to put a, a, a blackboard up and we're going to put chalk out. And anybody who wants to can write anything they want up there. That's a platform where there's yeah. no... Yeah. Now, if you have a newspaper or a, a talk radio show and you say, Lars, do you control what's on your show? Yeah. Somebody tries to swear. We knock that call out. Nobody hears it. Uh, actually, you can hear it. You can't hear it on the radio. You can hear it on the stream because the FCC says you can't let swear words and other things on the air. So we're required to to control what we put on the air, and that makes us a publisher. If I were a platform, uh, I'd be able to say anything I want. I could defame. Well, I, you know, but but to to be able to allow defamatory material on social media and then say, oh, I'm sorry, you've got defamatory information on there, but there, nobody's allowed to sue you for putting it up there because the government says those outfits get special protection. Does that make any sense to you? Well, what, what about free speech? Because my, my wife... Well, here's the thing, Jeff. People misunderstand the First Amendment. The First Amendment says yeah. the government can't control your speech. You know who can yeah. control your speech? Your boss, uh, a newspaper, a talk radio host. Yeah. I mean, I can say, if you're going to say those things, and I think they're defamatory, I'm going to make sure that call never gets on the air. Why? Because I don't want to get sued. So I'm expected to control what goes on. The First Amendment does not say you have a right to have everything you say published in a newspaper or even published on talk radio. That's the bottom line.
I'm glad to be with you. You're listening to the Lars Larson Show and the Radio North The Lars Larson, Larson Show. Before you are leading out the right from the wrong, this is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the program. Glad to be with you and always glad to get your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. If you're like me, you're more than a little bit frustrated with your own political party, the one that you identify with. You see, I'm a conservative first, a Republican second, and frankly, I think the Republicans are dropping the ball when it comes to spending on Capitol Hill. They're going for deals that will keep the government in operation, but we're not gaining any ground when it comes to fighting against a rapidly rising tide of debt. You know, $34 trillion in counting. Joe Biden plans to add about $2 trillion to our debt this year through the $2 trillion deficit, which is double the size of the deficit last year. So I thought we'd talk about that with Brandon Arnold, who is executive vice president of the National Taxpayers Union. Brandon, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Lars. What's happening on Capitol Hill, and why aren't we getting something done? I realize we only have one house of the the two houses, and we don't have the presidency, but you'd think Republicans could accomplish something to hold this uh, this rising tide of spending back. Well, we have a lot of problems going on on Capitol Hill right now, and that's going <laughs> to shock absolutely nobody. Exactly. Uh, but I think the biggest one is the fact that Republicans can't act in a unified fashion. I'm speaking primarily of House Republicans, they squabble over absolutely everything. And if they don't act in a unified fashion, then it has a huge impact on the negotiations. Speaker Johnson cannot go into a room with Chuck Schumer and expect to negotiate a solid deal if Schumer knows that when he brings that back to his conference on the House side, that he's not going to be able to get it passed. So the first no. thing Republicans well, need to do is set their priorities so that he has some leverage in those conversations. Because you're saying that when... Individual Republicans, I think there's a group of 14 right now that are objecting to the current deal, but they're wanting not just to hold back the increased spending, but a bunch of other issues that, that they see as important and probably I see as important, too. So how do we make that happen, both a unified front when it comes to spending, but still allowing, uh, you know, Republicans who feel strongly about certain issues to say other things well, because they see the budget negotiations as their opportunity to do that? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a leverage point. But the first thing you have to do is prioritize what you want. Is that the border? Is that a reduction in spending? Is that starting to use the spending, the appropriations process, I should say, to roll back portions of Bidenomics, which I think is incredibly important? You're not going to get everything. You know, you have to be a little bit realistic when you go into these conversations because you are talking about a narrow majority in the House, whereas the Senate is controlled by Democrats. And the White House, obviously, is, is Joe Biden. And you're talking about ripping into his agenda, which absolutely needs to be done, but we're not going to be able to eviscerate it. We can score some strategic victories. We can help American businesses, American taxpayers, the broad economy here, but we can't do it all in one fist. So if we approach this thinking that we're going to get everything that we want, then we're going to be deeply disappointed. Yeah, I, I get that point. But then what do you do when you say, well, is our is our current spending an existential threat to the United States? I believe it is. So solve that one. Oh, but the border is also an existential threat to the United States. 
okay, we need to get that one too. And then the possibility of getting into, say, a shooting war with, say, uh, the, uh, you know, with the Chinese, that's another existential threat to the United States. Even if you only take the big ones, you got to get at least those three, don't you? Well, I would be very impressed and satisfied if we were able to get three victories of that magnitude. <laughs> I just don't think that's realistic. <laughs> Unfortunately, what's happened over the past several presidencies, Republican and Democratic alike, is that we've ceded more and more authority to the executive branch. Congress has become less and less influential when it comes not just to foreign policy, which has traditionally been the territory of the president, but, but certainly the, the border and immigration, uh, but even decisions that are made by federal agencies. Those federal agencies have become extremely powerful as Congress has become, uh, sorry to use a pejorative here, but they've become lazy. They've sourced out all of these functions, these legislative functions, to the federal bureaucracy controlled by the president, and now we need to rein it in. We need to rein it in whether Biden's president or whether a Republican is president, but it needs to start here. And as that happens, then you'll have fewer targets that you need to fire at during these types of proceedings. But until we do that, yeah, we have the FTC running amok. We have the IRS running amok, the Department of Labor. The list goes on and on. And those are victories that need to be, well, they at least need to be on our list of priorities as we go into these negotiations. We're not going to so get all of these victories. I'm talking to Brendan Arnold, who's executive vice president of the National Taxpayers Union. Is the Chevron case or the case that will affect the Chevron doctrine just heard by the Supreme Court yesterday, is that, is that part of it? Because if that case slaps back at the deep state and says you agencies do not have the authority that you've been pretending to have for the last 40 years, but we may not hear about that till June. But is that a piece of getting this solved? That's a piece of it. That's a huge piece of it. It's not the only piece. I think it needs to also happen through the legislative process, just the function of writing bills in a manner that is more prescriptive, that gives less wiggle room to the administration, I think would go a long way to addressing this issue. But even when they do that, it's not sufficient because the administration, as you say, has become so, uh, you know, it's become such an entity of its own that you see even Calling back these uh, unspent COVID dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars went out the door to state and local governments. They haven't spent over $100 billion of these dollars. That should be brought back to the U.S. Treasury, right? If you can't spend yeah. it in this window, forget about it. You know, we, we have a huge debt. Um, but they're, they're trying to use every little bit of wiggle room that they can to get to allow the states and local governments to keep these funds. We don't have the votes to but, pass. But hold on. One uh, thing in particular, Brandon, when you say they... The left wants to do that. I don't know of any conservatives who say we want to leave all these dollars with the states and the counties where we sent them out, supposedly to meet an emergency, the emergency now being over, give the excess funds back. The left wants it out there because I think they expect to be able to use those dollars politically. I don't see any evidence the conservatives are, are doing are are taking that same approach. Do you? No, I, I agree with you there, and that's a good clarification. I appreciate that. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's, it's a big fight where conservatives are having to stand up and say, listen, you know, we pushed way too much money out the door in the first place. But if you haven't spent it at this point, this money needs to come back. They are mincing words and saying, well, technically we have until the end of this year to spend the money. But, you know, if, as long as we make a commitment to spend the money in the future, these dollars can be carried for, forward in perpetuity, essentially, which is just ludicrous. But until you start to rein those agencies in and specifically prohibit that type of shenanigans, it's just going to get worse 
and worse. You, you, you know, it's funny, Brandon. I've spent my whole life in the private sector. I could never imagine that in the private sector. When I worked for TV, they would occasionally, if we had to travel, especially a long ways away, like Russia one time, um, they'll advance you some money. But if you come home from the assignment and you say, gee, I only spent half the money you gave me, but I think I'll hang on to it and I'll see if I can find something to spend it on in the next year or two, nobody in the private sector would tolerate that garbage, would they? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, the federal government operates on a completely different set of rules and standards, and they're always right until proven wrong. <laughs> so, I mean, it's incredibly costly and difficult. You know, you see them go after businesses left and right, trying to block mergers and acquisitions, trying to regulate businesses, stop them from what they're doing. And you have to stop and take the federal government to court. They have no problem spending taxpayer dollars to drag you into court or be dragged into court to fight these protracted battles. But meanwhile, the private businesses that are affected are going bankrupt. They're unable to actually provide the goods and services that they're set up to do. So, yeah, I mean, the, the playing field is tilted so heavily in the favor of the federal government. It's unlike any other entity that we deal with, certainly not like anything in the private sector. You know, it almost makes you think that maybe the government is there for us to serve them and not for them to serve us. Brandon, thank you very much. That's Brandon Arnold, Executive Vice President of the National Taxpayers Union. I'm glad to get your calls and naysayers go first at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. You can vote in our poll on X. You'll find that at Lars Larson Show and our website at LarsLarson.com. And you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you, your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. On Demand. Wherever and whenever you want it, get the podcast all day, every day at LarsLarson.com. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on Conspiracy Theory Thursday. And I guess it ain't a conspiracy theory if you have actual evidence that it's going on. So would you believe that the federal government under Joe Biden is trying to flag Americans who buy Bibles and rifles as domestic terrorists, potential domestic terrorists, also if your bank has seen any activity relating to the terms MAGA, as in Make America Great Again, or Trump, uh, that you can end up on one of those lists as a potential violent extremist. And who was doing this? The federal government asked financial institutions, meaning banks, for surveillance of any 
any kind of transactions you were involved in at a sporting goods store, uh, Bass Pro Shops is one of them that they were watching, whether you bought a Bible or not from anybody else, and whether or not you had certain messages going back and forth on private payment apps like Zelle, which is a competitor to Venmo. So my question on X, should citizens who buy Bibles, rifles, or sporting goods end up on a terror watch list? My answer is no. Today's Poll on X is brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at ultimatetruckservice.com. We always go to naysayers first, so Victor is just such a naysayer. Hey, Victor, what do you and I disagree about that makes you a naysayer? Well, I'm, uh, I'm against pluralism of religion, and uh, the reason I'm against it, well, first of all, I'm a Christian. By that you mean what? Just so the audience understands, what do you mean by pluralism of religion? Where all the religions, uh, by law, the First Amendment says uh, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, and they say all the religions, uh, the Muslim religion, uh, Christian religion, all of them can be uh, established, and they are established by law in this country, but the first commandment of God says... Actually, no religion is established by law in America. Where's the law that establishes religion? That would run right up against the First Amendment. Well, what I mean, the law protects them, so you, so you yes. can't... Uh, yeah, that's what I meant. So what okay. are you against? First, I'm not sure what you're against. The first commandment says, I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt have no other gods before me. So well, if you want, if you want us to be a a Christian, the, uh, you know, theocracy, uh, you can do that. All you have to do is amend the Constitution and get the required number of states to sign off on it, and the required number of members of the House and Senate, which is probably is I can say almost certainly not going to happen. But Victor, so if you're against that, you're against the First Amendment of the Constitution. You don't believe that we should yeah. protect everybody's right to practice any religion they like. Yes, but it's it's our choice. Just like I'm making my choice to stand. It's not your choice if the government practice. says you 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 can only practice one religion. It becomes the government's choice, doesn't it? If the people choose that as the law of the nation, it would be the law. And not yeah. only and that, do you think that's it, like it is the one. It, it's my argument. Okay, but right, Victor, can you tell me? Do you think it's likely at all that American citizens and their representatives, by a, not just a majority? Uh, but but a greater than majority would sign off on that idea because I don't see it happening. Well, it, it's because nobody will speak like I'm speaking. Nobody will speak for it. And when I try to speak for it, the talk show hosts and everybody they try not to. Let no, me I'm I'm letting you speak for it. But Victor, it sounds like you want a Christian version of Sharia law, where the government decides which religion you can practice. Why would you want that when the current system we have has worked so well to let people decide to have any faith or no faith whatsoever? Hasn't worked well at all. This nation is going to hell. Not well, like that. I don't go uh, by I, I, I don't go by Sharia law. Hey, I don't go by Sharia law. I go by what's written in. I'm against all the other religions because they will send you to hell, and they are alive. The Bible. Okay, very good. If you can ever get that made as a constitutional amendment, I will be the first to advocate against it. But, Victor, I appreciate the phone call anyway. Let's go to Danny. Hey, Danny, welcome to the Radio Northwest Network. Thanks for a call from Enterprise, KWR, or uh, no, KWVR. How are you? Hi, yeah, I'm fine, Lars. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well for a day, for a day when it's frozen up outside. Yeah, yeah, it was a hoot of a call on the last one. I like that. Yeah. Hey, Lars, I uh, I was reading Cliff Vince's voting record the other day. I do it often. 
And I saw this thing where he voted yes on Section 702. Renewal. And I yep. know, I'm sorry? The renewal of 702 because they had to either renew it or it went out or it ceased to be law. And it, it's, yes, 702 correct. is the part that, that allows for foreign uh, surveillance, collection of data on foreign intelligence information, which has been abused and used against American citizens, too. Oh, oh, oh you knew all that. Yeah. Oh, well, I didn't. Uh, but I started reading and I found out, yeah. And I'm trying, before I call, I just want to know if you had a reason for them to extend that to April. Because I don't see it. They should have let that die. The only concern I've got, Danny, while I'm aware that the federal government has abused that rule and used it against Americans, and the FISA courts have been used against Americans, should we allow the collection of actual tar you know, intelligence on foreign threats to the United States, or would you shut that down? Well, no, I'd just redo it and make a, like a Section 703 and get the FBI out of it. Well, you'd have to get the CIA out as well, because it seems to me they played a big role in deceiving Americans as well. We got lied to by the FBI, the DOJ, and the CIA. So you shut all of them down? No, I don't know, but that uh, that needs to be reworked. I, I, I agree. Reworked. I think the reason they only extended it to April is I'm hoping that Republicans grow a backbone real soon and start rewriting 702 to make it explicit what the government is allowed to do and that they're not allowed to abuse the rights and privileges and freedoms and privacy of United States citizens. You've got the Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest. Now. The Lars Larson Show. I'm on the phone today with David more from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs, but how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Lars. No. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. Almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show, and welcome back to Conspiracy Theory Thursday on the Radio Northwest Network. And I'll tell you what, if you like this conspiracy theory, 
Every time the government says it's going to act on a problem, expect the problem to get worse because of the actions. Now, I know you're going to, uh, Mark Harmsworth might even call me a cynic uh, for saying it that way, but it seems to be that that is the pattern, both in Oregon and Washington. And in this case, I want to talk about House Bill 2276 and welcome our friend Mark Harmsworth, director of the Small Business Center of Washington Policy to the show. Mark, welcome back. Well, thanks for having me on, Lars. I appreciate it. So in both states, not so much in Idaho, but in Oregon, Washington, uh, in our Radio Northwest Network territory, there's a, a gigantic problem with a lack of housing. Uh, rents are sky high. House prices are sky high. And the government says, we're from the government and we're here to help you fix that problem. And what do they propose? Making housing more expensive? Is, is that the, the essence of it? Yeah, that's basically what House Bill 2276 does, and I am in your cynics club because when I see these things, I immediately start looking between the lines to figure out what's going on. The bill proposes, and if you look at it on its face, it looks like a small tax cut um, for uh, the REIT dollars that you pay when you purchase a property or a condo or a townhome. And REIT is a real estate excise tax, and so there's a small reduction there on the low end, but it adds a new tax on property over three million and you say well three million that aren't they just luxury houses that nobody can really afford but the point that's being missed here by many of these legislators when they look at this type of legislation is that most of the condos and multi-unit houses that are being built to help with our affordability in housing cost more than that to build so if you had a building that say had 10 condos in it and each condo was going for 750,000 which is not unusual in Seattle, then um, the additional 1% on the cost of the 3 million to the 7 million, which is the, the big price of the whole building, is 4,000 bucks more than the reduction that you would get in the savings that are being offered, which is a paltry $250. So overall, this bill will actually make housing more expensive for people. And, it, and, and even if you say, well, we're aiming at trying to get to the rich people, they're, they're aiming at, as you point out, there are 25 single-family homes uh, at, at sales prices of $3 million or greater in the Seattle zip code, but it would, it would also hit everybody who lives in a condo. Uh, would this also apply to rental units as well? Yeah, so if you're a, a, a property developer and you're taking advantage of some of the tax cuts that potentially could be offered in some of the legislation that's coming through this year in Washington and you build a 10-unit affordable housing, then you're going to pay some of this. And how's that going to be paid for? Well, you're going to pass that on in the form of increased rents to your tenants. And so the low-income people are going to get nailed by this as well. So the whole thing, it, it's kind of a joke, really, in the way it's structured. The best way to deal with this, if you really want to help people, is just do a broad tax cut on property taxes across the board. I, I would go for that. But, Mark, even if you wanted to make it targeted, I've, I've always wanted to, you know a lot about this subject. I've pitched this idea for both Oregon and Washington. One of the biggest barriers to building housing is these so-called system development charges and all the other fees of government. It's estimated that, for instance, in Portland, to build a single-family house, you're going to spend uh, usually a couple of hundred thousand dollars for a piece of land. And then you have to give the government, in, in round numbers, about a hundred grand in fees to be able to build a house there. And you say, well, what if you knocked those fees in half? Or what if you eliminated them altogether? Said for every new house started in the next, say, 18 months or two years, 
all fees are waived or 50 percent of fees are waived. It would have a relatively low cost to the government because they'd miss out on the fees, you know, at, at the front end. But the, the long term effect would be more properties built, which means more property taxes collected. Uh, it could have but it could have the effect of jump starting a bunch of private construction without having to, to sh- shovel out a whole bunch of money. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on. And it, by doing this, uh, by reducing those fees, and in Washington it's about 20 to 25 percent of the cost, depending on where you're building, is just in fees, in permit fees, just to get that property built. Does that built, apply to Seattle? Uh, yeah, that does okay, as well. Okay, so, so uh, it, if, it if a typical house in Seattle is, is around 800 grand, isn't it just short of that? So you're saying 200,000 yeah. of that house cost is for fees to the government? Yeah, permit fees, building fees, water access fees, street fees, all the rest of these things all add into there. The uh, Building Association of Washington, BIAW, has lots of detailed analysis on this to show exactly how those fees are made up. Um, and then uh, you can kind of break down to see why why it is so expensive to build. On top of this, we have another bill coming down the pipe, 5770, which is being heard today in the legislature, which is removing the property tax property cap from 1% and bumping it up to 3%. All these things are adding to the cost of houses. So on one hand, you've got um, lawmakers saying we want affordable housing, and on the other hand, they won't decrease fees, they're increasing taxes, and they're just making life horrible and, and worse for most of the renters. And look, look, doing doing the math sim- in a simple way, they're a lot, they want to allow up to a tripling of property taxes? Yeah, it's a 300% increase in the fee that local municipalities can increase your property taxes by each year. So from 1% to 3%, that was passed by Initiative 747 by the voters and then ratified by the actual legislator under Governor Christine Gregoire. Now they want to increase it uh, by running this bill. And, and, and do you think the legislature is in a, in a mood to pass that kind of thing? Well, it's got about 20 Democrat sponsors on it. It's uh, 5770. Uh, it was dropped last year in 23, but it was dropped right at the very end of session and couldn't make it through the process. There's appetite there for it. Whether it will pass, there's no companion bill in the House, I don't know. But it's definitely one that we need to be watching very carefully. Well, and of course, the other objection I've got, Mark, is all these new building codes that are going to effectively force builders to build houses without the primary uh you know the primary fuel that people use to heat their houses to heat their water to cook their food and that's natural gas and they're making the codes they haven't actually banned natural gas but they've done as much as do as banning it by saying yeah you can build a house with natural gas but we're going to increase all the other efficiencies we demand to that so your house is going to be very expensive works fine if you're one of the people buying three million dollar houses uh... It doesn't work well for the average person where the builder is going to say you want that gas in that house your house is going to cost you another thirty fifty thousand dollars and the person who's desiring that house is going to say Nah, I guess we'll just go all electric on that grid that's so reliable right now. Yeah, and that's I'm going through this myself. I'm I'm trying to build a house, and I'm just looking at all the costs of these fees, and I'm looking at the cost of this gas. I, mean, I 
you know, the place I'm looking at doesn't have reliable electricity. So in the winter, I guess, according to the government, I'm just going to freeze because I can't turn my heat bump on. As but, long as you, you know, pay your taxes, Mark, they don't care if you freeze. Just make sure you write the check to them first. I can't afford my taxes. Yeah, I can't <laughs> afford my taxes anymore. That is Mark Harmsworth, who's director of the Small Business Center at Washington Policy. It's a pleasure to be with you. Glad to take your phone calls and your emails. Joe Biden loves to lie, and he lies about plenty. But can he please come clean now? After all his false statements about his poked-up son, Hunter, and that laptop, the laptop from hell, I want to go over some of that with you, and I'll get to your calls as well. You're listening to the Lars Larson Show in the radio. The one... No, I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. To all the wokey snowflakes, yes, you are probably going to be offended. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on Conspiracy Theory Thursday. And I want to put this to you this way. Joe Biden absolutely loves to lie. I mean, there's no other way to explain how one man has managed to plagiarize and lie so many times before he even became vice president, then lie as vice president. And now that he's president of the United States, he occupies the office. He's lying like a rug. And now we're finding out that an awful lot of the things he lied about, especially those things he lied about involving his son, Hunter, you know, the coked up son who bought guns in violation of laws that Joe Biden says he's in favor of. Joe Biden wants gun control. How about some gun control on your coked up son, Hunter? And I've got a couple of little details of that as well, including what the FBI knew they had when they took Hunter's gun into possession and then examined the bag it was contained in and found cocaine. And the FBI has apparently known about that for years and did nothing about it. First, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm glad to take your phone calls and emails at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Naysayers always go first. And you can vote in our poll on X. Should citizens who buy Bibles, rifles, or sporting goods end up on the terror watch list? Well, turns out that Representative Jim Jordan, member of Congress and the chair of the House Judiciary Committee, has demanded to get more information about why the FBI and the DOJ were asking American banks to track anybody among their customers who bought Bibles, who made any kind of uh, transactions involving terms like MAGA or Trump, 
who also bought things like sporting goods at Bass Pro Shops, uh, shops, places like that, that Jordan says that the government sought to track ordinary citizens not suspected of any crime because their purchases of Bibles and their purchases of firearms at sporting goods stores made them possible violent extremists and that uh, those people who are in that status didn't even get notified by the government that they were on that list, nor is there any kind of due process way to get off the list if you did nothing wrong. On that note, let me take a call first, and then I'll talk about some of Joe's lies. Hey, Don, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. What's on your mind? Hey, Lars, this is the same thing you're just talking about. Uh, I'm a supporter of the Second Amendment, and uh, as such, I receive... uh, mail from all the different organizations that are trying to protect it. Yep. And they just like me. They they send out these uh, uh flyers uh, that they they want you to sign and uh send it back to them so they could give it to the legislators. Yep. And so and they give it to all the legislators, not just the second amendment supporters. So what's keeping that name and address sacred? Anything? Absolutely nothing, Don. And then, uh, I'm assuming that you're like me, occasionally you buy uh, things at at the sporting goods store. I don't shop at Dick's because Dick's became about as anti-Second Amendment as you can imagine. Uh, But I have no objection to Bass Pro Shops nor Cabela's. But but it turns out, you know, to find out from a member of Congress that the uh, government, in the form of the FBI and the DOJ, were asking banks to track their own customers and tell the government if their customers bought Bibles. And that one should, I mean, that one by itself. If they just said, we want you to tell us if any citizens are out there buying Bibles, that should be so far off limits that people should get fired. Except at this point, I don't have any great confidence that the government is going to go after these people who commit these kinds of crimes against uh, against American citizens. If you've done nothing wrong and you buy a Bible and the government says that means you should be tracked as a possible violent extremist, the people who did that within our government should be fired and, if possible, tried for criminal invasion of people's privacy. What What should we make of that, Don? I think we should do something like that. But well, I, I don't know what, what to do about the, uh, signing these documents and sending them off to the legislature. I legislators. think you should go ahead and exercise your right to petition. Your, all you're doing is what is actually mentioned in the Constitution, the right of citizens to petition their government for redress of grievances, a fancy way of saying, Don, if you're in favor of the Second Amendment, you don't want laws passed that get in the way of you owning or bearing arms, uh, then then you should you should go ahead and sign those. And I think what they should do is find the people behind these surveillances that were done of citizens who, in most cases, were not suspected of any crimes at all. I mean, this is almost to use that, you know, that, like that science fiction movie, uh, Minority Report, where they imagined a future where people would be tagged that based on on what they thought you were going to do, that if this person is buying Bibles and guns and ammunition and things like that, they might someday commit a crime. You don't get to arrest or even surveil people because of what you might do. You have to go after people for what they actually did do. And Congressman Jim Jordan has pointed out they found evidence that the government was doing exactly that. 
and that you're, if you, we find out the banks that, that at all cooperated in this kind of nonsense, and it's amazing the number of institutions that have said, sure, we cooperate with the government all the time. If they ask us to open up a cell phone, we open the cell phone up for them. Or we give them information about their cell phone records or their internet, uh, their IP records. In that case, I would hope that those, those private institutions, those banks, suffer badly as their customers flee from them. Now, let me get back to Joe Biden's lies, though. So what we have in the last couple of weeks is Joe Biden's Department of Justice that has confirmed something that a lot of us have already known for years, that Hunter Biden's so-called laptop from hell is, in fact, fully legitimate and is not Russian disinformation. And why is that important? Well, because Joe Biden... At, at the time when he was a candidate, was saying over and over again, he was being asked about the laptop from hell. And what did he tell people? Well, let me read some of the quotes from him because it tells the whole tale. In the 2020 presidential debate, in one of them, there were three, he said, a Russian plant, a bunch of garbage, nobody believes it. Then in October of 2020, he said, this is a smear. There's overwhelming evidence from the intelligence community that the Russians are engaged. He's talking about the laptop from hell. Uh, again, in October of 2020, Joe Biden, then a candidate, said it's another smear campaign. And one more time in October of that year, it's a last ditch effort in this desperate campaign to smear me and smear my family. And then he finally said one more comment uh, before the election. Putin is trying very hard to spread disinformation about Joe Biden. It's a smear campaign. Now, that was Biden referring to himself in the third person. And then after the election in December of 2020, Biden said, yes, yes, yes. When he asked if he still believes the laptop was a Russian smear campaign. Well, he could have settled that one very easily. He could have gone to his son, Hunter Biden. Uh, not that I would trust much of anything Hunter Biden said. And he could have said, hey, is that your laptop? And we know it's Hunter Biden's laptop because at one point more than two years ago, Hunter Biden's attorneys went to the courts and said, that laptop, we want it returned to our client. Their client in that case was Hunter Biden. When your own lawyer is saying that laptop belongs to our client, it's pretty hard to pretend that it does not. Glad to be with you on a Thursday. Always glad to take your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Naysayers always go first. You can send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Check out our Instagram feed and email talk at LarsLarson.com. The Lars Larson Show. of the people. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. Can you imagine how much trouble the Biden administration and the Congress could get us all in if they managed to foist a carbon tax on Americans? Look, I can already see it in my home state of Washington. Uh, gasoline prices up 50 cents a gallon, all attributable to one of these carbon tax schemes. And now if the federal government wants to do it, you can just imagine where they might be likely to take that. The guy who's fighting that battle is Grover Norquist, president of Americans for Tax Reform, who joins me now. Hey, Grover, welcome back. Absolutely. Good to be with you. So tell me about the uh, Prove It Act. What is this thing? 
Well, it is a carbon tax on training wheels. It is the paperwork necessary to do before you put in a national carbon tax. So the politicians supporting it, the Democrats, the organizations supporting it, all are on records wanting a carbon tax, as is the president wants a carbon tax and the vice president wants a carbon tax. Uh, but this is just doing a study to see when various products, how much, quote unquote, carbon is in them, right? I mean, how much, how much carbon dioxide goes into the air, like when you breathe or when a product is made. Um, okay, why would we do that? Uh, because then they can do one of two things. They could tax a product based on how much carbon dioxide is used in making it when it comes into the country. Uh, that's a tariff. That's not a tax on you. Okay. Um, of course, you pay it when you buy a product and all the domestic prop, uh, uh, the domestic things that are made that compete with that product, they now get to raise the prices. So you will pay higher prices for things made in America and higher prices for things made overseas. It doesn't do us any good in terms of uh, overseas versus American because prices just go up. It's not helpful for America. But um, but now we've got a carbon tax on the border, which they pretend you aren't paying. Well, but we've got all that data. So the next step is to do a carbon tax on everything because you don't want that monopoly rents to be earned by all these evil American businesses, which the Democrats created with the carbon tax. So now everyone will pay a carbon tax. And my goodness, the carbon tax isn't high enough to make people stop using energy. We need to raise it. So well, the goal of the Democrats... And, yeah. and Grover, yeah. that's the part that people ought to understand. They'll start small and say, well, it's not going to make a big difference. Well, if your point is to get people to reduce their use of anything that involves carbon, which is everything in the world. I mean, food has carbon in it, you know, or is produced with carbon fuels for the most part. Concrete, you know, has has an energy consequence, and that'll be carbon. So when you get there, there's almost nothing in existence that doesn't have a carbon component. So the price of everything goes up. That's really yep. what they want to push and, and then say, if it goes up high enough, people will just stop buying things and then uh, our economy will slow to a to a halt. And uh, but we'll be carbon neutral. They need more money to feed the Democratic Party interest groups. They can't get it by raising the corporate income tax because they found when they cut the corporate income tax, it actually raised a great deal of money. So you go take the income tax back up again, it hurts the economy. You won't make very much money, if any at all, raising the corporate income tax. Well, that's not open to you. You can't really make more money raising the individual income tax. We've tried that. When you take the top rate down, we make more money, not less money. So uh, at, at, at the high rates of, of, of taxation, the cutting them, actually gets you more money for the government, raises them, gets you less. They've tried both of those. Europe, Europe realizes they don't want high corporate taxes. They had lower corporate taxes than we did years ago. Their individual income taxes are not that much higher uh, than ours because they realize you lose revenue. The only place to go is Social Security taxes, wage taxes, Europe has that, and energy taxes. Those are the two big pots of gold. And who do they hit? The middle class directly. Europe is a tax hell.
for middle class people. It's not that bad for rich people. It's a, it's a middle class tech for uh, taxpayers in Europe because very high wage rate uh, taxes, that's, somehow that's different than income tax, looks a lot like the same to me, uh, and energy taxes, those things, that makes a difference in the United States and Europe. That's why Europe is slower than we are. They used to be 95% of our GDP. It's now down to 65%. A part of that's England leaving, but, but they've been shrinking as a compared to the United States because of their taxes on the middle class and on energy, and they want us to join them in stupid. So tell me this. I'm talking to Grover Norquist, who's president of Americans for Tax Reform. So, Grover, does this thing have a snowball's chance of, of actually being acted on this year? Can the Republicans say, fine, we'll put it up, we'll vote it down, it'll die in the House, and that's that? Well, the bad actors on this are in the Senate. Uh, there's a senator from Louisiana, a senator from North Dakota. What do they do? Oh, they have oil. They rate, they, they make oil there. Uh, they get oil out of the ground. That This will temporarily allow them to get monopoly rents as the price of international oil goes up because of the tax on the import. And then they'll make money until the politicians go, ah, look at that, monopoly profits, and go steal it all. I don't know, it's very short-minded. I don't know these guys have not, not thought this through. But most of the people pushing it are not silly Republicans. That's two of them. The problem is very smart Democrats are pushing it in the Senate. But in the Senate, you get two dem two stupid Republicans with all the Democratic senators, and you can pass them in 51 votes. And you in see that House, you see that happening this year in an election year, or will they push all of this off into 25? Well, remember, what we're voting on now is just a study. It's not a tax. Just a study. <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining things when I say all these people who've been planning on a carbon tax are doing a study that would be useful to pass a carbon tax, but they're not going to pull the trigger on the carbon tax. I, I tend to think they will, but not this year. You're right, not this election year. In the House, though, we have regularly passed three, four times a getting every single Republican with a, one guy in Pennsylvania not voting for us saying, never, never, never a carbon tax. That has been very helpful. The Republicans are awake to this in the House, but a couple of bad votes in the Senate I hope we'll be able to stop this because even doing the study starts you down a slippery slope that could very well end up making us look like France, and that's a lousy place to be. Any idea how much money they would generate from this thing, at even initially when they, when they started out small, planning to get it bigger later the way they did with the federal income tax? Yeah, the federal income tax started at a top rate of 7. It's now up to about 37. Uh, and seven is now less than the lowest rate. The highest rate is now less than the lowest rate in the United States. Uh, so the income tax does that. It, 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 there's no ends to what they could do with this. Look at how some states like California have taken the gas tax up. That's just a variant of the carbon tax. And in Europe, they price themselves out of the market on energy, uh, you know, rent a car in Europe and try and, you know, fill it up with gas. First of all, it's so small, it doesn't take that much gas in it. But the gas that you do get, terribly expensive. I'd be guessing. There's, there's no limit to what they can do.
Yeah, I looked at it this morning because I was looking at those protests a few days ago in Germany where all the farmers are saying, if you take away our fuel subsidies, we're dead. And I looked up diesel and gasoline. It's about $2 more per gallon in a commodity that's a worldwide commodity. It should cost the same. The only difference is taxes, as Grover Norquist pointed out. Grover is president of Americans for Tax Reform. It's always a pleasure, Grover. Thanks very much. We'll get to your calls in a moment at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails. Talk at LarsLarson.com. Check out our Instagram feed and on social media. And you can always tell Alexa to play the Lars Larson Show. The one with me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. You can't fix stupid. Stupid is forever. But you surely can vote them out. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. I want to tell you something. I know that there are those of you who take it personally when I say that virtually every solution to a problem that the Democrats come up with turns out to be A, expensive, B, ineffective, and C, violates all kinds of ideas. As an example, the Washington State Legislature has been meeting now, I think, for 11 days, and one of the bills they're considering, they say, we want to fix the huge increase in robberies and burglaries that are hitting retail stores in uh, the state of Washington, in this case. So this is before the legislature in Olympia. So what these members of the state legislature have done is they proposed that there be a way to stop all this criminal activity except they don't want to actually stop the criminal activity they just want to make it harder for the criminals they don't want to arrest the criminals or prosecute the criminals or lock the criminals up in jail so for example one of the bills being proposed by senator karen kaiser a grant program and this is straight off the description of the bill a grant program that would help small businesses bolster their security Kaiser's bill would give taxpayer money to retail stores, most of them pot shops because they're and convenience stores, uh, because they are some of the primary targets of these thieves and burglars, because it's both. You have thieves who walk in with a gun and take what they want, money and everything else. And then you have burglars who go out and steal a car, ram the car through the front of the store and then steal what they want. So what are they proposing? that you go out and arrest more criminals and send a message that if you commit the crime, you're going to likely be arrested, you're going to be prosecuted to the nth degree of the law, and then you're going to be locked up? No. 
They want to buy bollards. Bollards are like a, either a big steel pipe or a, a concrete barrier that you put in front of something that you don't want a car to run into. So if you have a propane tank, you put a bollard in front of it so that a car that's nearby would not go through the bollard into the tank. So all this is doing is saying it's going to be harder for them to be able to ram a car through the front of the business instead of the real solution, which is catch the criminals and and prosecute the criminals. Uh, they want to buy security cameras so you'll get pictures of the bad guys. I'm not sure how much pictures are going to help if you've got a police force with its hands tied, prosecutors who refuse to prosecute like King County, and they want to even give money to some of these small businesses to hire armed security. Now, you wouldn't need to hire armed security if you just let the police do their job. They're saying that the average amount for small businesses would be 500 to to $1,000. Now, I don't know how much in the way of bollard security cameras, armed security and things like that you're going to get for 500 to to $1,000, not per month, 500 to to $1,000 one time. And then they say prosecutors could charge somebody with robbery one or two and then have the option to ask for additional time added on to the sentence. That works great if you have prosecutors who actually believe in putting people in jail. Uh, Senator McCoon, who's Jim McCoon, uh, who wants to increase the penalties for using a car to cause that damage, he said, I talked to a pot shop guy today. He said he'd been hit three times in the last month and lost $100,000 in product alone. He says, hopefully this will put a wrinkle in what's going on. But even if you pass a bill, it takes a long time to catch up. No kidding. Let's go to Jason. Hey, Jason, thanks for listening on the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind today? Hey, Lord. Uh, Conspiracy Theory Thursday. Yeah. Um, you know, it's about containment for the wars in, like, uh, Gaza and Ukraine. But one thing I haven't heard anybody mention is the fact that the Israelis get most of their weapons from the United States, their planes and their, their air defense systems and their, their missiles. So for a, lot of re for a reason, because when we give them military aid, we insist that they spend it on U.S. goods. That's one of the reasons when people say, well, you're giving a lot of money to Israel. Yes, money that has to be spent back here. I compare that to Bill Gates gives you a gift by giving you $100,000 of Microsoft certificates. And what can you buy with it? Microsoft. <laughs> so you say, yeah. well, it's still a nice gift, but it's, you know, it's the U.S. saying, if we give you this money, you have to spend it back here. But what significance is that, that we help an ally defend itself? Hamas does need to be stopped. The U.N. policy states that any response to an attack should equal the attack. I think now, hold on. Do you think that makes sense, Jason? Because this proportional response garbage is, as far as I'm concerned, is garbage. It's like saying if the bad guys drop a bomb on you, you get to drop one bomb on them. If they kill 10 of you, then you get to kill 10 of them. Do you think that makes sense? Um, to a point, but when you're dealing with a terrorist organization, I guess you have to tunnel into the into the rat tunnels to. to no, but that's a different out, subject. That's a different subject. Jason, was dropping an atomic bomb on Hiroshima a proportional response or a response designed to bring about the end of the war? They, they were looking and they were looking into projection projections towards the end of the war. They were trying to save lives, Americans. No, I know fight. that, but yeah. Jason, if you'd had a proportional response, we're fighting the Japanese. They shoot at us, we shoot at them. 
They bomb our guys, we bomb their guys. That's proportional response. Dropping an atomic bomb is to end the war. Would you, at the time of World War II, have argued for proportional response? Saying if they drop 10 bombs on us, we can drop 10 bombs on them. Can't drop 20 bombs on them, that wouldn't be proportional. Do you think proportional response makes sense? Um, it does. I guess history will will tell if it makes no, sense. No, uh, don't give me history. I want your opinion. Do you have an opinion? You just argued in favor of proportional response. If somebody came and raped your wife, would you want to put a bullet through his head? And would that be a proportional I'm, I'm response? I'm not married, so... Okay, well, if you had a girlfriend, if you had any friends... The Lars Larson Show. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k flats. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com. View the videos and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com.